Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Welcome everybody to another Investing Insights with Steve Waters and Victor Kumar from Right Property Group. Uh, we're back for well, it's the first time in quite some time. That's right. Uh, got, to the got flooded in three times. So we got the we got the one in one hundred year flood three times. So that's three generations yep. now. We should be good for three hundred years, theoretically. Or is it is it that bad luck comes in threes? Well, either way. I'm over it. <laughs> it uh, but like we've said on some of the other platforms, we didn't get wet physically. We'll just cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, do your diligence. Make That's sure it. That's you don't it. Yeah. buy in those areas. But there's a lot going on, Vic. There's uh, blue skies. Well, there was blue skies this morning. Not now mm-hmm. um, for a change. So that was quite exciting. But we've got federal elections that yes. have been announced. We've got war continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got interest rates. Yep, it's all happening. We've got doom and gloom merchants who are having a field day mm-hmm. uh, and then there's everybody else. So there's a lot to talk about today but uh, I thought today the subject is really about burying your head in the sand because I, I really do believe those that bury their head in the sand now will pay the consequences yep. later and this is the time to be upfront and proud and mm-hmm. over everything and deciphering what's potentially truthful and what's propaganda. Uh, and then you should be held in a good position to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is where, uh, you know, like you said, if you bury your head in the sand, um, you're not being proactive. And as, as property investors, and in life in general, right, if, if you really want to move ahead and make um, use of the cards that are dealt to you in the best way possible, you need to be proactive and not lament on what you've been dealt, but look at it in, in the sense of, well, life's given you lemons, make some lemonade. Yeah, well, control what you can control mm-hmm. and everything else, you need to act accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not all bad. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where, I think there's a real, there's a large element of people within, uh, whether it be the media or just the general public, who when there's, a, when there's a little bit of flux within the market or a whole heap of negative media and the potential of what could happen, I truly do think they, they feel good about that. Mm-hmm. It's like they get their chance to say, I told you so. Yep. And it gives them the warm and fuzzy that perhaps because they didn't do anything and there's a whole heap of regret there that now mm-hmm. this is their time to shine to say, well, you're going to lose everything. In fact, mm. what, what was the report that was in one of the major uh, newspapers? I nearly said it yeah. then, but I won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the major um, uh, papers basically put out an article saying that certain areas in Sydney and Melbourne have dropped by 40%. Now, Misleading article, misleading headline, because when you look through the whole article and you look through the stats, um, it's actually showing some of the areas they're talking about. It's gone up by, you know, 15, 20 cent. Uh, but what they're really talking about was the, the amount of or the rate of inquiry had dropped by 40% in some of these areas, not the price. But most people would just look at the headline and look at the first one or two paragraphs before they lose interest and uh, therefore form an opinion that the property market has crashed 40% in those areas. Now, we know that, journalist. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's all I'm going to say about that, actually. (laughs) 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 I I stopped myself. I started to play the conversation in my own head and I thought, no, don't go down there. So for all your complaints, it's (laughs) (laughs) 1-800-STEVE. No. um, Anyways. 
but never let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's I what guess. it was. And yeah. and I look, we 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 get it. We understand. We deal with enough media to know that uh, the clickbait headlines you know, drives ultimately revenue, mm-hmm. uh, and that nobody really wants to know the good. They yep. just want to know where's the blood on the streets. That's Liter- it. literally. Yeah. Uh, and how could they sleep better at night knowing that we told you so? Mm. If that makes sense, it's mm-hmm. a it's a really strange dynamic because when we when you go back through all the media for let's say for as long as we've been doing it so since what 2000 ish mm-hmm. or thereabouts 99 for you um and if, if i could compile all the media major headlines from all the way back through um back then through to today so predictable isn't it it, it is so predictable yeah it just it's just like well let's go to file draw three file 36 we'll pull that one out and we'll run it now. Thank it's you the old much. click and drag, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. It's very much that way. And um, the the problem with it is that I think people are, I think the general consumer is becoming far smarter. Yeah, and, and they're getting they fatigued. They're getting fatigued with all these headlines. But they're smarter now yeah. because it's you don't have to be reliant upon the the daily newspaper mm-hmm. to get your information. There's so many more elements, platforms, whatever way you want to look at it, to to give you enough information to make hopefully an educated decision rather than the political persuasions yep. of one major mm-hmm. you know, information provider. Yeah, that's right. And, and if, you, if you're investing via daily headlines and investing via media, yes, you'll be in all sorts of strife now because, um, you know, according to the media, it's a 40% drop in price uh, if you just took the headline into account, right? So uh, it's really important to look at it from a holistic point of view, looking at it from... Um, how the different snippets of news and the different uh, moving parts actually impact your portfolio and uh, where you're heading in terms of your goal. And, uh, you know, this this will help you make the decision whether to stop buying, accelerate, take stock, um, or change what you're buying to take advantage of the market forming in the, in the, in the near future. And it's different for everybody, as mm. we've always sort of banged on about, uh, so to speak. But coming back to the 40% drop, um, is it possible? Yeah, it mm. is. Will it happen? Somewhere in the future, we'll probably see isolated pockets or particular properties drop by 40% uh, for whatever the reason. Um, the data won't give the reason, so it's up to you as the consumer to understand what the parameters are behind it. But is it possible? Absolutely. But in today's current environment, as we are somewhere off the back end of what has been a fantastic period of growth, some would like to call it a boom, mm. uh, and we are now having the pendulums potentially swing the other way, or more importantly, what we're seeing is the parameters are changing as a reaction to what we've just experienced. So maybe to put that in a box, if we go back to pre-COVID, where monetary policy was becoming a little less uh, tight, and then as COVID hit, it became looser and looser and looser, and then we had government grants. Yep. Uh, whether it be because of COVID or first time grants, first time owner schemes, construction grants, et cetera, et cetera. That was a knee-jerk reaction to a, a moment in time, rightly or wrongly. And today what we're having as a worldwide uh, result of COVID is another type of knee-jerk reaction. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It's kind of the same things are happening. Mm-hmm. Like I was reading uh, the news this morning and I did a, a bit more from what I'd talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, around London and the rate of inquiries through the roof 
and now their rents are through the roof as well. In fact, there's been more activity in London than there has been in a long, long time. And is that a suggestion that people are moving back to the to the metropolitan areas or to the major cities or is it just a moment in time where people are saying, you know what, all the fundamentals are there for me now. To jump in. To jump in. Uh, Canada has just banned all foreign investment. Mm. The US is doing well. Lots of parts of Europe are doing extremely well. I'm talking about residential real estate here. New Zealand, across the, the ditch, was doing very, very well. And they bought forward, probably before anybody, um, some policy changes to yep. slow their markets down. So across the greater part of the Western world, property is doing extremely, extremely well. well. Now, is that a, a repercussion from COVID? Yeah, potentially it is. But more, more importantly, people are only going to buy it to provide accommodation if the necessity is there. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to go and buy real estate in a suburb A or region A if there's 80% vacancy rates. Yep. So there needs to still be the metric there to want to do it as well as the funding behind it, which is really the consequence of COVID, has allowed people to do that. That's exactly right. So when you look at look at uh, any um, uh, movement in market, right, so it's, it's driven by the buyer sentiment. So people uh, thinking whether they're going to make money or they're going to lose money determines the behaviour. Now, that behaviour or that sentiment is actually underpinned by the availability of money, the security of jobs, and, of course, um, the the trend emerging uh, allows more people to jump in in, uh, in, in a me-too situation to say, I want to jump into the bandwagon as well, because someone's made money, they spruik about it, and, and especially today with Facebook, um, they spruik loud and proud, uh, and everyone wants to get uh, part of the action. Right. So when you look at uh, the COVID era, pretty much all countries reported positive growth in property values bar Bahamas and Malta. Um, now, we don't know what happened there. I didn't dwell d- deep enough into the into the metrics there. Oh, but you missed that meeting. I know, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, it shows, shows a true to form, right? We, we were in the midst of a wall pandemic that we haven't seen for a century. Yet, we had property price growth in most areas. We also had job growth, employment growth, and uh, the economy in most areas was stable. You know, the co- flow and consequences of it, if you take Sri Lanka as an example, um, is that it comes back to then the governing uh, body there uh, to then manage it through the recovery phase because uh, whether we, we want to admit it or not, with COVID, we are now in the recovery phase of, of mending the economies, uh, winding back all of these uh, splurge of money that they've thrown. Um, and that'll be interesting times. And when you throw on onto that, the fact that we have interest rate rises pretty much happening, and the fact that most investors, if they've been investing in the last six years, have not seen an interest rate rise at all. Ten they've, years. Yeah, ten years, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So in, in the last five, year, five to six years, there have been drops, rate drops. So most investors... Take into account that you know your, your newer newer investors or people that have just jumped onto the bandwagon in the last decade have not seen anything but lower interest rates. And when you look at the fixed rates right now, it's sitting at four percent plus. So there's going to be some new um, territory that people will step into when they start seeing rapid interest rate rises, which is likely to happen. And you and I have seen this, you know, uh, seven months in a row of interest rate rises, mm. 
and that was happy hunting grounds. It was a beautiful time. Mm. I mean, at the at that moment in time, though, it was like, okay, well, let's just regroup, regather. Yep. We had to pivot in some of our, not strategies, but the, the types of Type properties, of properties to be able to take advantage of a point in time. Mm. Uh, but as we reflect, it was a it was a great point in time. But coming back to your point about people that have never seen a rate with potentially a three in front of it, let alone maybe a four. Yep. Uh, I, I do believe there'll be this this psychological moment in time where it will it will cause hesitation, mm. and the hesitation will be: Have I done the right thing? Have I uh, should I be selling? Will I cope? And what do I do now? Yep. So, and when you get the collective to do that, or if the collective happen to go down that path, well, and you sprinkle them negative me- media news as well. well correct, well. and then yeah. it could become self perpetuating. Mm until it doesn't. And, and what are the reasons why it wouldn't? Well, rents continue to go up. So from commercial viability, it makes sense. Um, some people will see, and I truly do believe what I'm about to say, I believe that some people will see the opportunity within the market. Mm-hmm. I actually give credit to investors, thanks to technology, as we've talked about many times. People are far more sophisticated now than they ever been, than they ever have been in yeah. our space. Yeah. Information is easy to get to. Correct. And I believe they're, they're learning to decipher the right information from the not-so-right yeah. information. But as we mentioned earlier on, the, the bury your head in the sand and pay the consequences isn't all bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be a case you're missing out on opportunity or it also might mean on the negative side of the ledger that you haven't prepared yourself with potentially four to five rate increases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so put it in perspective, we really have got a two to three month window to prepare ourselves for this onslaught of interest rate rises, right? And and, and psychologically, it can be a big hit, uh, especially when you start seeing interest rate rises, like I said before, for the first time. Um, but if you, if you spend the next month, two months preparing yourself for what is going to happen, you'll be in the box seat to take advantage uh, of a lot of opportunities, um, whether it is to actually protect what you've already got or whether it is to actually um, ap- absolutely escalate your property holdings uh, because you are now uh, well prepared going into this market uh, uh, as versus some of the people that, most of the people that won't be pre- as prepared because they're not taking action early enough. And that, that's one of the things that we found time and time again, regardless of what the crisis is, regardless of where the market was, that if people aren't proactive and preparing themselves for um, the market change, they get left far behind. So the, the five minutes prior to the, the recording, when we were tossing around a few ideas mm. and what to speak about today, one of them was what is, uh, what is one of the most major faults that investors have when establishing a portfolio slash controlling a portfolio and eating that end result. And one of them was the control around finances, Mm -hmm. but above that sat how proactive is the investor? Yeah. Are you a passive investor? And we've always said we don't believe that being a passive investor is the right thing to do. Mm. You're leaving money on the table if you're passive. You're leaving money and opportunity on the table. You could potentially be costing yourself money. But would you have a half a million, multi-million dollar business that you don't monitor, that you aren't actively involved in, unless you're Rockefeller and you 
descendants and re- receiving royalties. But for the majority of us poor people, we need to be involved mm-hmm. in our businesses. And that includes residential real estate. And I, and I just don't agree with anyone who says keep it passive. Yeah. So when we, are, when we are involved in the monitoring and the measuring of our business being property in this particular case, we get to see the little slithers of opportunity where we can well, we've found fault and we can adjust accordingly or we can extrapolate more income, reduce expenses, be able to capitalise on opportunities, whatever it may be, or it could be status quo and mm-hmm. we can all group hug and high five and say everything is going well, let's go have a coffee mm-hmm. and relax. But you won't know that unless you're into it. And so I, as we are discussing earlier on, the reason for this particular subject about burying your head in the sand is once again, it's not just about all negative it's also what is the positive you could be missing out on in terms of opportunity within your own circumstances Mm -hmm. but what are we going to do and how can we adjust for the elephant in the room which is rising rates let's let's not even talk about asset value for a minute right let's just talk about the cost of our biggest expense being our mortgage is going to go up how do we facilitate accommodate so that we still get to sleep at night and hopefully perpetuate our portfolios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you look at, uh, you know, the metrics currently, right, most people at the start of pandemic in 2020 uh, and beginning of 21, uh, they're locked in their rates. So lo- they restructure, they're locked in their rates. So your rates are sitting, fixed rates are sitting at, you know, I, I look at my portfolio, I've, I've got a couple of 2.49s, which is about to expire. Next year. Yep, that's yep. it. Uh, mine's actually expiring uh, end of this year as well. So um, you've got that plus the interest rate rises. Now, when those fixed rates, because mine are interest only, when they roll over, it'll roll over into principal and interest, right? Because it has a three-year fixed rate. On top of that, it'll be your standard variable rate, not the discounted one, the standard variable rate. And the standard variable rates, when you when if you look at the banks right now, actually sitting at 5%, right? So um, not only will I have um, the principal component kick in, my interest rate practically doubles. So if I'm not prepared uh, and I haven't done my cash flow ahead of time, um, I'm going to be in all sorts of grief uh, if I was totally reliant on negative gearing to help my prop- hold on to my portfolio, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, I'm, I'm totally reliant on my overtime, to hold on to my portfolio, and I've uh, along the way I fluffed the numbers to make it look pretty, so that I can uh, you know say that hey I'm, I'm holding into a, onto a big property portfolio. So I'm I'm bragging on the number of properties as opposed to the numbers on the property in itself. Yeah, good point. Um, so um, this is where proactiveness comes into play, right? So as an example, w- one of the considerations one could have is that let's say the fixed rate was going to expire in say six months' time. We know that the lead time to get a um, medium-sized portfolio refinance is probably about two months. By the time you take into account the amount of paperwork you need together, the valuations happening, access issues, all that sort of stuff. So uh, I know that I've eaten two months into the six months. And perhaps I may take a uh, proactive approach of taking the three-month exit fees, if there was an exit fee, um, on the chin to lock in my standard variable rates, uh, sorry, the, the discounted variable rates um, for, the, for the long term. And it would be unlikely 
if you look at the fixed rates and the variable rates um, sitting here right now, uh, that there is probably about six, maybe maybe seven blips we can sustain before we hit the actual fixed rates that are available right now. So there's, you've bought yourself a bit of time to manage your cash flow, and you know that the whole lot won't come in on day one. Uh, and this is where uh, this is where you need to be doing your sums up front and taking a um, business approach to it as opposed to an emotional approach of, no, no, I can't get rid of my fixed rate or I, I don't want to go on to a different bank because it's too much paperwork. A lot of the fixed rates that you've got right now, if you've got a few months left, may be well worth looking at it because uh, to, to refinance it because you actually don't have, in most cases, a break fee because the bank can resell that money for a lot higher. Correct. Yeah. And so there's the upsides to that is you'll clearly know what it is mm-hmm. if you activate yeah. now. Yeah. It could enhance serviceability. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll be giving away serviceability to begin with going from, in your case, from a lower rate to a higher rate, mm-hmm. but it's potentially going to be higher than that. Again, when the rates if, kick in. Correct. So if you're, if you're only activating once the fixed has finished, you are potentially three to four months behind that. You may not even qualify. You may, and that's my point, right? So the serviceability may change completely. We're only talking about rates here, but what about the calculus Mm-hmm. in the background what about LVR or credit policy essentially what about if that changes so once again we're not being on the negative here we're just being on the proactive side of um, caution I guess so that we're controlling a situation rather than reacting ineffectively to something when our back's in the corner yeah absolutely yeah the other thing that you would do right if you look at the greater consumer um, uh, loans that you have right so a lot of people um uh, have got consumer debts or car loans, car leases in particular, right? There's these novated leases that kill your your uh, borrowing capacity. You've got uh, perhaps um, some some other debt hanging around. Now would be the time to perhaps look at consolidating these debts to, to free up your cash flow. You want to free up money before you actually need it. You want to free up cash flow before you actually need it. Uh, so you're getting rid of all of those unnecessary payments um, uh, where you've got a big payment coming out monthly and you're whacking it into a home loan. Danger in that is that you still need to maintain the current payment to actually smash that loan down. Otherwise, all you've done is taken, say, in a car lease situation, a three-year debt and transposed into over 30. So you end up, whilst on a monthly basis, far less cash flow, but you'll end up paying far more. It's an interesting point, you know, when you talk about the novated leases or the unsecured Mm -hmm. lease, but let's call it car debt. Because as we've talked about before, whatever the whatever the the loan amount is, it's circa five times that yep. that's eroded from serviceability for for real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so fifty thousand dollar car loan, quarter of a million dollars serviceability gone, give or take. Because of the situation that we're in at the moment, this is the stuff that I'd love to think about. Because of the situation that we're in at the moment with COVID, low cost of money, supply chain bottlenecks, and I'm talking like bring it back to vehicles now where it's a year's wait um, or thereabouts to mm. get a to a new car. Second-hand cars are more expensive than what they were when you purchased them. Everybody knows the story. But there's been such a tremendous am- amount because of cheap credit of new cars that have been purchased that yet haven't hit our shores. So you mm-hmm. might be six months away from getting it. And now the, the monetary environment has completely flipped on its yep. head. So from before when you're getting 3 4% or even some 0% uh, finance. finance, 
car loans are going to rapidly increase. So what you thought it was, the time you get that vehicle six months down the track, it's going to be hugely different. So make sure that you're prepared. And your financials would change, right? Because your commitment to your mortgages and all that would have changed. Everything's changed. Yeah, Yeah, everything's changed. So could there be this inflection point where, yeah, we see a hell of a lot of vehicles on the on the market at a given point in time. Now, why is that relevant to realistically what we're talking about today? Because it's the outflow of cash flow. Yep. Right? That all adds to the household budget. But if we get to a point in time where rates have gone up excessively and people have bought into the negative spin in terms of their assets, in this case real estate, what are they gonna what are they gonna offload first? Mm-hmm. If they got Stuck into a corner, are they going to offload the house, whether it be an investment or an owner occupant, or are they going to offload the car, the non productive mm. asset and the debt associated? It's going to be the car. Yeah. It's the true off the plan purchase, except it's cars. That's really good. So, this is an off the plan <laughs> purchase for it's, a, it's an off the production line purchase, yeah. but it's a car. Mm. Uh, we advocate don't buy the off the plan purchases. Yep. Throw cars into that one as well. For Absolutely. Off the, off yeah. the plan. The other thing too is... Sorry, on, on that vein, right? So uh, because we, we've just bought a new car, uh, bought bought my wife a car. Um, the salespeople... Did you get rid of the other one? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like change. Um, the, um, the, the salespeople are telling me, right, you're better off buying a 2021 car as opposed to a 22 or perhaps a 2023 model because... With the Ukrainian war and with with the shortage of microchips, the newer cars aren't getting as many mod cons on it as opposed to the one-year-old manufactured ones, right? So, um, when you bring that to off the plans, right? There's no change in price. In fact, you're paying more. So, if you're buying an off the plan apartment, as an example, the developer can reduce the floor floor size by up to ten percent, and you still have to buy. It, right? Yeah, and it's the same thing with cars right now. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're doing there is you're sugarcoating the reason yeah, absolutely. Why, <laughs> why you bought the new car, justifying it. But the, but I guess when we when we try to look at, well, okay, what can we do right here, right now, other than being proactive with our finances? If we look aside at some of the metrics that are being bought out by the banks, people are in front of their mortgages the most they ever have been. Offsets, brackets, mm-hmm. best product or facility slash product yep. that was ever invented. Usually underrated. Hugely underrated, but a lot of people understand what it is, so they're very full, Mm -hmm. more so than ever before. Credit card debt is at its lowest it's been in decades, I believe. Mm -hmm. Watch all that swap. I think, and and this is where, this is where I believe the consumer might be a little, I don't know, up in the face of the negative narrative that's out there because, well, you know, we're not living on the bones of our pants. A bit of resentful spending. We have buffers mm-hmm. via our offset we don't have much credit card debt um, we're in front of our mortgages jobs are very good wage growth is starting to be there you know, rents if you're a landlord are going up there's a lot of good components in the argument mm. rather than well let's just concentrate on the negative but once people start to erode the buffers that they have watch the credit card debt start to increase dramatically Yep. Therefore, adding pressure to the households. Now, this is me looking at the negative side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you might see some household pressure where people start to sell assets. Yeah. Yep. But where I think where I think it will go, all things being fair and equal, and if we don't have Armageddon, which I don't believe we will be, 
that because people are a lot smarter than what they ever were, because people are now more financially responsible than they ever were, because people have made a hell of a lot of money in a lot most asset classes over mm-hmm. and during COVID, that there's still that moment in time where they will resist the negative narrative. Yeah. Because things are still good. Jobs are secure. Once again, wages are growing. Um, the economy's in good shape, all things being fair and equal, considering what we've just come through. Yeah. There's no there's no real necessity to want to cut your wrists over the situation now. Mm. What happens in three, five years could go completely other any direction. And and this is the point, I guess. We're giving our opinion on where we think it is and where it could go, and so is a million other people. But one thing I'm sure of, nobody has the magic answer to know what is going to happen. Absolutely. We don't have to go too far back, three years circa, where those that said were definitely, definitely wrong. Mm. And 30% drops. 30% drops. It's it's almost history repeating itself again. But also to... to the bury your head in the sand attitude from the government's thinking that you can print all this money, money and give all this stimulus and not expect inflation on the backside mm. is burying your head in the sand. And anyone else who took it or, ent- or even just absorbed it, yep, mm-hmm. here's all the grants, let's not worry about tomorrow. And, that, and that's the problem. Let's not worry about tomorrow. Let's just live for the now, which is burying the head in the sand. Yeah. So get on the front foot. And you'll be in a fantastic position. Yeah, and, and talking about proactive and, and, and um, you know, free money, uh, there's a lot of businesses that took advantage of the government grants, the 250K loans to, to boost up your business during COVID, right? They're actually starting to become, become due now. Right? Mm. So they need to be repaid or refinanced. Um, so there'd be a whole lot of um, businesses that if they haven't been ba- able to get back on their feet, um, they're going to, they're going to um, perhaps... Um, Take and change immediately to try and refinance and or even sell out some assets. Uh, so we're likely to see a little bit of an increase in uh, a stock on the market as part of this normal reaction. But normally, what happens is, when uh, if you look at it historically, uh, we've got this perfect storm happening, right? So we've got the uh, fixed rates, interest only, is coming off the boil into um, standard variable rates, principal and interest. We've got the elections. We've got the talk of the interest rate rise, more than likely, uh, within the next two months, we are likely to see some some much stronger rhetoric, even even an increase in interest rates. So with, with this normal um, circumstance, if they came in individually, people would take that in the stride. But because they're all coming in together, most people will want to sit back and say, okay, let's see how this pans out. Uh, before I do anything. So you'll find a lull in the market, both from a refinance point of view, uh, in terms of purchase, in terms of people you know, whacking properties on the market to, to offload the heavily negative cash flow properties that they're controlling. Um, for the next couple of weeks, there's likely to be less properties on the market uh, worth buying from an investment point of view. There may, may be more lifestyle properties popping up. Uh, That's in a good that point. Sense. Yeah, yeah. And let's, let's just clarify that because... I think the volume of properties will be greater, but the 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 amount of decent properties is mm-hmm. a different story because we've just had Super Saturday, Super Sunday, yes. uh, where it was huge numbers across Australia going up for auction, which is the quasi-barometer mm. for the tempo of the market is the auction results. And not surprisingly, Sydney and Melbourne were the lowest clearance rates at 
circa 69%, mm. which it's is still huge. bloody healthy. Yeah. yeah. You had Brisbane and, and Adelaide's and I think Perth into their high 70s and low 80s, mm. which is massive. Yeah, compare it to this time last year, though, but back to Sydney and Melbourne when the market was at its most buoyant and you had Sydney and Melbourne at circa 80% mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is. So, yeah, when you look at that headline statistic, yeah, it's been a drop of 10%. And if you were that way inclined, always looking at the glass half empty, you'd say, well, this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. But it was the biggest weekend, always is traditionally just before Easter. Mm-hmm. The The volume, put it in perspective, the volumes of properties that went to auction and that were sold under the hammer or directly afterwards is still... Higher than before. Very good. Mm. It's still, and it's held solid over the last couple of weeks. So it's not a bad situation to be in. And that's, but when you start to isolate the regions across the country, well, they, some are so healthy, so strong, so buoyant that you can't help but not look at it. You can't ignore Mm. it, right? Now, obviously the big elephant in the room as well that the governments, neither the federal, uh, the Liberal or the Labor Party are talking about is how to fix the problem of a lack of accommodation. Yep. Right? And we've been going on about this now for months about this crisis. In fact, I saw a report that uh, the vacancy rates from SQM uh, end of March were the, the lowest in decades. Mm. So 2006, yep. generally speaking and we did a i think it was a facebook live a couple of weeks ago about saying how this is a biggest bigger crisis than the gfc in terms mm-hmm. of accommodation and this could potentially be multiple generations um in terms of how bad the, the undersupply is that yep. we've ever seen best time to be a landlord yeah from with the right property yeah and ethically mm-hmm. don't be a slumlord hashtag <laughs> it's um but it's these are all the things that are going to underpin coming back to the subject uh, going to under, underpin our ability to be able to control the debt, mm. therefore the assets. So it's not just about getting ahead in terms of the interest rates. And in your example of act, act now, act now, act hard, act early. But it's also about the income side of things. So keep keep in line with market rent. When you have a market that is so undersupplied, the elevation of rents is is weekly mm. in some cases. So you need to be always involved with your property managers and we Challenge spoke them. about this before Challenge, challenging them doing your own dd to make sure that you are keeping up with market and even those incremental increases will help control the asset and give mm-hmm. you that sleep at night factor for the future so there's interest rates there's income being our rent what about insurance and this is the big disclaimer not giving you any advice there shopping around your premiums mm-hmm. making sure it's the right you know check the pds apples for apples yep increasing you might be finding that you're paying more and so you should because the cost of replacement's gone up mm-hmm. because of construction or it might be about property management yeah there are so many different facets that you can become involved in that are in your control mm. to help the bottom line as opposed to once again burying your head in the sand and being oh it'll be what it'll be that's right yeah, i, I want to address the the um, uh, property management and the insurance right be, be very mindful that you don't get caught up in the percentages um, so o- often, uh, you know, a 5% management fee as opposed to a 6% management fee. Um, people generally tend to gravitate towards the 5%, but you need to look at it at, at what cost, right? How proactive is the property manager? Do they hold a, um, you know, a, a diverse portfolio of properties? Are they close enough to the, um, uh, to the property itself? And more importantly, how proactive are they with uh, 
essential repairs as opposed to good to have repairs as well especially with the need yeah that's yeah. it especially when when the costs for repairs is is going up and up and up yeah and but that's the that's the whole point i guess i was trying to make is just because it's cheaper doesn't mean it's more consistent Correct. in terms of your cash flow mm-hmm. Um, but as a side note, and I'm I'm an advocate for this, is I prefer my property property managers to be in the locality where my assets are. I've yep. never really successfully had property managers, and all the hate mail from the property managers can go to Victor Kumar <laughs> at complaints. I've never really had um, too much success in having property managers that are outside of the locality mm-hmm. where the asset. I is. agree. Yeah, yeah. it's just it yeah. just doesn't seem to to fit well. And I know there'd be an argument to say that it could. Mm-hmm. Um, Few and far between. Few and yeah, far I've between. never never had a good result from it. Yeah. So, yeah, once again, do the diligence. That's exactly right. And, and so, if we look at it from, uh, you know, what can we do? So, we've talked about obviously look at debt restructure well ahead of time. And in fact, your window is within the next two to three months. And if you don't know where to get started, reach out to us, uh, and we'll put you in touch with our team at MLS. Uh, to give you some uh, independent um, recommendations. Uh, and sometimes it may be that, you, you know, it's not um, feasible, nor is it financially smart to do a restructure. You may be on a good week at, to begin with, and you've got plenty of um, uh, time on your side in that sense. So you, you restructure your debt. Uh, you would look at, obviously, the running cost of your portfolio, um, right down to the T, right, in, in, in terms of every aspect of it. Then you also need to be looking at, okay, what am I doing in terms of the portfolio itself? Do I bring forward a construction to mitigate that interest rate rise? So if there's a granny flat uh, site parked away, I know the cost of construction at the moment is higher and the um, uh, time to do the construction is longer at the moment. But if you play this out, does this mean that by constructing that extra dwelling, it keeps your... um, um, household budget very fluid and it also allows you to continue borrowing and therefore do a restructure down the track uh, when the rates are higher uh, and especially going into um, a very strong rental market with very low vacancies your granny flat even though you've got a, a um, or granny flat or secondary dwelling even though you may have a higher cost your rent that you can command would generally be a lot higher than what you've done the numbers on before. Then the the other thing that you perhaps need to look at is, and this is this is uh, with a couple of our clients, we have helped them um, in this scenario, is that it might be time to sell some of the dog properties, right? In in that sense, so um, let's say you've had a you're you're heading for a very strong change in your family situation, so you're getting a uh, another addition to the family. Um, you've got a child on the way. Uh, one of you is going to be off work for one year, two years, depending on how things pan out in terms of um, looking after the child. Would it make sense to offload uh, one of your properties to have a large cash buffer in place? Now, this is something you need to obviously sit down with the accountant, work out all of the numbers in conjunction with us uh, so that you can take a proactive approach. And sometimes... This is, this is where, when you, when you follow the journey of a good investor, sometimes they take a step back to be able to move three steps forward. Yeah. Sometimes that might be in a, a period of consolidation. Yes, not buying anything. Yeah, correct. Mm. And because you can't always purchase. Mm. And largely you're dictated to buy 
finance. Yes. I guess, whether it's your own personal finance. That's your fuel. Yeah, or whatever the, whatever the bank's going to give you. As we've often mentioned, there's two types of finance. One is what the bank tells you you can afford. Second is what you know you can afford. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're not even close. Yep. Even on the same page in terms of where the truth lies. But And the reason that's so important is because before you buy the asset, you need to buy the debt. Mm-hmm. Before you buy the debt, you need to be in a position to be able to afford the debt. Yep. So really it's about investing between the flags mm. and making sure that you've got your house squared away by acting early, being proactive, and then making very strategic and methodical steps to move forward. And if it means that sitting on your hands is the best thing to do for you, then sit on your hands. Yeah, absolutely. Still work in the background, prepare yeah. yourself for what the future holds because you can't always control the situation, but you can control your attitude mm-hmm. towards it. Yeah, yeah. And there's no better time than we have now to prove mm. or to activate right now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say, let's say that, you know, you had no intentions of buying. You, you know, your portfolio is complete. Um, you've got uh, a change in circumstances happening in terms of, um, you know, em- perhaps employment or you, you're heading towards retirement um, uh, early or uh, planned in that sense. What's the next best thing to do right now? Off the back of this really good uh, market run, it may be time to actually liquidate your your equity. So, in other words, set up, yeah, liquefy, <laughs> liquefy your equity so that uh, you know you you're able to have that cash handy, just in case you have the deal of a lifetime drop in your lap because of the market changes. Right, going into a market like this, you need to have a lot of cash behind you to be prepared to take advantage of the. Uh, opportunities that may pop up. It's always like like we keep saying. It's always good to be prepared for an opportunity and none come by, rather than being unprepared and have opportunities smack you in the face. All the time, you know. There's some people out there that believe over the next six years that we could see a hundred percent increase in some areas, or some localities' property value. Yes. Do you buy into that? Look. Big question. I just put yeah. you on the spot. Yeah, there, you, you, know? you did. You did. Right? <laughs> I'm starting to think. Okay, which area? Which area? Uh, uh, Yes, uh, they, they, there would be that possibility, but also the reverse could be true as well, right? Now, on that vein, um, people are saying that there's going to be a massive drop in rents um, once we get an oversupply, massive drop in prices, right? That will happen if the fundamentals aren't there. And, and the, the um, um, example of Port Hedland comes into mind where we had this huge run during the the inception of the mining phase, the huge run of rents, and the rents because it became commercial in nature, the values went bang, bang, bang. So your three hundred k properties all of a sudden became one point five mil. Yeah, I remember. And your rents from three hundred dollars a week became seventeen hundred dollars a week. Right. So people bought into that, but the fundamentals weren't really there in that sense. So when it when when the fundamentals got um when or when the uh, fizz went out of the market when reality set back in. The um, the, the financials got back, uh, you know ripped out of that market in the sense that you could no longer rent out the property for seventeen hundred dollars a week. It reset back to a three hundred to four hundred a week. Couldn't even sell them. Couldn't even sell yeah. them because most people were buying properties, had bought properties at say three four hundred, off the newfound equity. They've now gone and refinanced and perhaps used it for lifestyle, perhaps used it for other speculative investments. And now they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They need to service this debt of one and a half mil. The amount of cash flow that's come in 
has dropped significantly. Banks might have called called Bank the loans. Could have called the loans, yeah. yeah. And, and you've got lower rent coming in, and now your home is at risk because your cash flow is very tight. This is why we're saying that you need to take a strong, hard look at your portfolio. And I know that our listeners aren't caught up in this, but uh, there may be scenarios where you could move your money to better places today. Ultimately, the, the dollar has to be working for you somewhere. Mm. I mean, they say cash is king. Cash is not king. Cash flow yes. is essential. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah, but you got cash, it's it's losing. It's losing. 4%. Yeah, losing value. Or whatever, it, whatever the inflation is at the moment. But I think, look, I think there will be stories of Port Hedland-esque stories. Perhaps not that spectacular, but it'll yeah, be. Yeah, not that yeah. spectacular mm. for sure. Um, but there will be stories yes. somewhere in the future. Mm. Um but it's a remarkable that even areas that only 18 months ago in the news, let's talk um, say inner city units mm-hmm. that were struggling to, to get an occupant and they were free-falling, not just in terms of value but in terms of the income they produced. Yep. Now we're getting in some areas in those inner city um, locations are having almost fights on the front mm-hmm. doorstep at inspections from potential tenants offering... $150 a week more and yep. six months prepaid uh, rent to secure mm. the property. How quick... It's turned back, isn't it? Yeah. How things can turn mm. around. The days are long, but the years are short. Yes. like And news, once again, going all the way back to the beginning of the conversation around technology and people far more sophisticated now, the, the, the time differences between highs and lows, peaks and troughs of the market and the news that surrounds it is far shorter. They're compressing than what it was mm. many, many years yeah. ago. That's a good point, Steve. Uh, so if you look at it from, from a market point of view in, in, in a peaks and troughs, right? So if you look at your major markets, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, maybe throw Perth and Adelaide into that as well. Um, in the yesteryears, the, the markets were longer. So between uh, a peak of the market to the next peak would take a decade, generally. Yeah, But now we're seeing them far, far shorter. In fact, I dare argue that it turns around within three years. Yeah, potentially. I mean, there's always some areas that will take longer. Yep. Or that, or conversely, they may be shorter. For yes. Whatever the sort of reasons reasons behind it. But ultimately, the 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 distances between peaks and troughs are shorter. Mm. Absolutely, they are. And it is because of the technology and the ability to transact. So I mean, properties become democratized now. It's it's far less a clunky asset than it ever was, and so too is the education. Behind it, and there's a lot of good educators in the space. There's a fair few not so good ones as well. Mm-hmm. But actually, that just as we close, because I know we're running out of time. Remember, <coughs> years ago, we did a. I'm not sure if it was a podcast or was it a blog where we talked about the worst investment strategy that mm. you could deploy, and that was the living off equity. Yes. Scenario. The people that continued to do that are coming into a moment in time where they're going to get caught with their pants down. Mm. And very quickly, living off equity is your property increases in value. You tap the equity within it. <coughs> Victor's choking. You, you're right, mate. Do you want to? I need a break. Do you want a blank? <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, the as your property grows, you you utilize, you draw down the equity within it, and you live off the equity. Mm. So there's never an end point to the the debt scenario on the property. It continues to rise, and you keep harvesting the equity to live on. That's your yep. income. Yeah. Mm. And it is the the main strategy of a few very well-known people 
within the industry and we've always been so against it, tried to debunk it. We've been very verbal about why it cannot work and we are coming into a moment in time now around harder, tighter credit policy, rising rates, valuers who are becoming a little less uh, buoyant on the market and it'll be those people that'll be against the wall before most. Absolutely. And um, the biggest um, fault with this strategy is that you've got to continue qualifying for loans and no one talks about who's going to service the debt in retirement, what happens in retirement. Mm. And we are a strong advocate of take minimal debt into retirement. That way you're actually free from what the economy is doing to a degree and also free from what the interest rates are doing because you, you own the bulk of your portfolio outright. Nothing beats outright ownership, right? And, and it, it is a process in that sense. Initially, you take out a lot of debt. Then you need to work on the debt itself to pay down as much as possible, transitioning into retirement. And it is true for some, you may be taking debt into retirement if you started your run too late uh, or, or later in life. Um, there are instances where we would probably say that, you know, maybe the run is too late, uh, but you know, each, each person, uh, depending on the age bracket uh, and the employment and the um, assets that you have behind you to start the journey, the strategy that we employ is very different, right? So um, I guess, you know, and, and we've mentioned this in, in previous podcasts, this is probably one of the prime reasons why when a client uh, wants to use our services, you and I insist on talking with them personally to help set the strategy so that we can truly understand what they've got on their plate, the cards they've been dealt with, and being masters of the game, we are able to then say that, well, you've got to play this card first to be able to win it uh, in that yeah. sense. And it may, the card may be nothing to do with property. Yes. And there's been a couple of instances recently where I've referred on to some financial planners, mm. good financial planners, uh, because I didn't think they were in the position to be able to purchase property. Yeah. Should they? They shouldn't be purchasing mm, mm. property. And the fin, the f you know, I can't give that advice, so I gave them, yeah, recommended them the financial planners, and they concurred mm. because it's not always about property. There's a good other deal of other assets that could be just as lucrative for you, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, just that property is our flight to safety. It's yeah. our our specialty. Now, as we close off, uh, we know a lot of other people have spoke about the budget. Um, we deliberately haven't because we want to see who retains or wins yeah. uh, the federal election because... That will come it, into play then. It'll be a completely different conversation mm. then. Um, it has been talked about to death and I think there's been some good commentary around it and there's been some not so good uh, commentary and how it can affect mm. uh, the asset class we speak about more so than not. Uh, but we'll do something once the election is yeah. over with. We also, in this particular subject, this partic today's podcast, we haven't talked about the inflationary uh, measures that could could not affect property and where it could go to from there and whether you should have cash in the bank, whether debt, whether property is the good asset. We're leaving all of that alone uh, because we don't want to overcomplicate the basics of what you can control mm -hmm. rather than worrying about everything else at this point in time. Absolutely. Well, that is um, uh, this fortnight's uh, podcast. Um, good to be back yeah. in the, the real studio. Yes. I know. Yeah. Um, so we do our fortnightly li Facebook lives where mm -hmm. we get to answer a lot of questions as well, Vic. Um, and that will be next week. 
next week. Um, we're looking at each other saying, hey, what, what day is it today? <laughs> so it is, it is the second sun, uh, Thursday of each uh, each month uh, that we do our Facebook Lives. Uh, and um, if you have any topics that you'd like us to address on the Facebook Lives or even the podcast, um, reach out to us on our socials um, and um, or, or send us an email on questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Um, do share our podcast with your friends and family. We'd We'd love to uh, think that we're adding value to uh, people that are just starting out on this journey or people that have got a portfolio. Now, if um, uh, you wanted us, that's myself and Steve, to look over your portfolio or uh, set you up to invest in today's market, um, go to our website. There's a uh, contact us form. Uh, You can contact us that way. You'll initially talk to uh, Melissa Matheson, who is our client liaison officer, huge experience in property. She's got multiple properties, been investing for quite a while. Uh, she will then uh, obviously get you prepared to get the best out of the meeting with uh, either myself or Steve, and then we can go from there. Yeah, it's a fair bit of information to collect mm-hmm. because we want to give you uh, and ourselves ample time uh, and not waste you know, that moment. So you know, give as much information as that what is necessary. I guess. So uh, that's it, Vic. Another fortnight done. We will catch you in a fortnight. Uh, This time it'll be with Phil Tarrant from Momentum Media where we'll get to be across a few other different subjects. So we'll catch you then. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.